Oh, hey, I'm Kevin. I'm here too. We are good. Welcome to the first episode of Chief Chats with Todd Hagopian and Kevin Hobby. I'm Kevin Hobby. Hey, folks, Todd Hagopian. <laughs> and uh, this is our pre election edition. Uh, things might sound a little rough. Uh, you'll have to forgive us on that because we are trying really hard to get this uh, off the ground and we're hoping that we can have a another libertarian podcast you know because there's not enough exactly yeah, yeah you know there's a ton of them out there and we just want to be just like everybody else <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so guys the the idea for this podcast is um, we are eventually going to have awesome guests in and a lot of different types of content uh, but today we wanted to get out a big one for you guys that talks about some key races out there uh, that we think every libertarian should be watching on election night. But before we do that, Kevin, how about you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your libertarian story and let the listeners know who you are. Uh, so my name is Kevin Hobby. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I am I was uh, the vice chair of Oklahoma as for the OKLP. Um, I also served for a short term, short term as the treasurer uh, for Central OKLP, which is a regional division within the state. Um, I've recently stepped away from those positions just due to um, work and life, and I wasn't able to dedicate the time that I felt like that deserved. Um, as for me, I've been a libertarian for about two years now. Um, I had been trending that way prior. Um, I'm sure we can get into this in another episode, but um, I was a, I'm a former Marxist. Um, I'm not a Libsock though. I didn't make that transition. I came all the way over. Um, I had been part of the young communist on campus at the University of Oklahoma. Um, once I got into the workforce and started my own business, I kind of saw the downfalls and the pitfalls of that. Um, started trending away from that, but I knew I wasn't fully you know, I was getting more conservative, but I wasn't a Republican because I didn't like a lot of their stuff and I didn't know what was going to happen. So I came across this guy, Libertarian in Chief on Twitter and started following him. And he did an AMA one night and um, I asked him, you know, about his politics and about the Libertarian Party. And he explained some stuff to me. And then I asked how I could get involved. And he got me hooked up with Chris Powell, who got me hooked up with um, Chad. Chad, Chad Williams was running a campaign for Choctaw, uh, the city of Choctaw at the time. And I came on and helped him as the treasurer for his campaign. And then I ran a month later and here I am. What about you, Todd? Yeah, so it's interesting because Kevin's story um, kind of starts with me helping him transition to the Libertarian Party. My story didn't start that much sooner. So 19 or sorry, 2016, I officially went over to libertarianism, started trending that way about 2010. Um, grew up strong, conservative, sharp elbows in a, in a blue city and just really, um, really fought the good fight from a Republican standpoint, always um, fought hard and defended every you know possible Republican platform. And in 2010, I started questioning that when Amash ran and we had ran Ron Paul out there, started questioning everything and slowly started turning my views over time. And in 16, uh, when Trump got nominated, that was pretty much it for me. And I came over and to the Libertarian Party in 16. So joined the National Party in 16. Um, sorry, I might have joined the Ohio Party in 16, National Party in 17. 
came out to Oklahoma in 18. Uh, and that's when I met Kevin, um, helped him get involved with the guy I knew in the party, but I wasn't involved in the party. Uh, and then oddly enough, Kevin came to me and said, hey, do you want to be involved in the party? And, and then I became um, the Northeast region chair of the Oklahoma party, uh, which is the Tulsa area. And so I'm on the executive committee now as the Tulsa chair. Um, my past in the party is I did run for party chair last year briefly. Then I ran for city, or sorry, uh, um, school board and got killed. And now I'm running for Oklahoma Corporation Commission. So I basically spent the last year of my life running and losing for stuff <laughs> uh, as a libertarian trying to fight the good fight. Um, and then Kevin and I got to talking and said, hey, you know what, after this election, let's uh, let's start a podcast and just try and do that for a while and see see what we can drum up. But it's a cool combination because we have former communist, we have a former, you know, basically um, right wing authoritarian Republican um, coming together. And now we both found liberty and we think it's going to be an interesting match. There's definitely going to be times when we disagree. Uh, we think that'll just make things more fun. So. Yeah. I mean, we've disagreed on some stuff before, but yeah. we, you know, we, we hash it out. Um, what'll be interesting about this is we can pull, you know, more of the left and more of the right people in here and kind of see opposing views and things like that. The the thing that we want to avoid is it being, you know, all end caps or all, yeah. you know, lib socks or whatever. Uh, yeah. We like to get a big view, a big scope of everything that's within the party because there are a lot of, a lot of opposing views and, um, a lot of different factions, different caucuses and everything like that. Um, That's right. Side note about the different caucuses on and, and that'll be fun to see the different viewpoints. And the worst thing you can do as a podcast is become an echo chamber. So we're yeah. looking forward to our loud disagreements and, and our yeah. fun disagreements. And then, and then every now and then we'll agree on some stuff. So. Yeah, I think so. I think it'll be, I think it's going to be great really. Um, so we're going to talk about some races that we feel like yeah. we need to, every libertarian should be focusing on. That's um, right. And we apologize ahead of time. We'll probably be looking at some notes as we go. Um, but what we really want to focus on here is there's some races in the country, uh, where libertarians have a chance to set libertarian national records. Uh, and the key there is, is we might not win races every year, these big races, they get a lot of attention. But if we can keep moving the ball forward, um, that we're getting closer and closer to where we need to be. Uh, and obviously, Kevin and I both both enjoy the local races. Um, so we are going to basically talk about the local races today. Um, Kevin, if you want to talk about Joe at all, we can we can kick off with just your thoughts on her campaign uh, before we dive into the local ones. Um, as for Joe, um, I know that it's, you know, a lot of libertarians are pretty split on her. Um, yeah. I know that there, there are a lot that they don't like anything that she does. And then there are some that support her with everything that she does. I, I think that I've been critical of her in areas that she needed to be critical of. And um, I also think that a lot of the problem, I think a lot of problems that she's having with her campaign is at least within the libertarian is I don't believe that most libertarians understand our process um, yeah. because we don't do, you know, we don't do yeah. Um, state votes and or caucuses and stuff like that, like other parties do, and so they're they're under this impression that maybe she was forced through. Um, I saw Austin Peterson had retweeted this text thread today and was and I had just had to chime in and be like, hey, just so everybody knows, Nicholas Sarwark didn't pick Joe; the delegates did. You know, if you're upset about Joe being the candidate, then 
you need to get involved on the state level because that's where the magic happens and being a delegate. And anyone who thinks that she was Nick Sarwark's uh, candidate wasn't involved in the process. Wasn't involved at all. No, (laughs) because she was nowhere near. No. um, Yeah. I mean, she was uh, way more on the other side of the, uh, the ratio than Nick said. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I agree. I think there's been some things that could have been better. I will say that I think Joe has a much better ground game. Uh, than Johnson Weld did. Johnson Weld had a much better media game. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe's done great bus tours. Spike is an awesome advocate on the on the um, trail. He's just done a great job. Yeah. Uh, and I think how it's going to play out, if I had to guess, is that whereas Johnson and Weld underperformed their polls, I think that Joe's going to overperform her polls. And I think they'll probably get within one, one and a half percent uh, where we were before. So I don't know if we're going to beat Johnson Weld but I don't think it's as bad as some folks are, are guessing because Johnson Weld lost, you know, lost their polls by like 5% or something. They, you know, they were pulling eight or nine and then fell down to three. Yeah. Um, Joe's pulling two. I'm guessing she'll, she'll come in right there or better. So. Right. Well, Joe hasn't, Joe hasn't had quite the gaffes that um, Johnson Weld did. Yeah. I mean, Johnson really, you know, with the Aleppo thing, I mean, that yeah. really, I feel like that really killed him. Um, yeah. Joe has had a couple of what I would call missteps, maybe mm-hmm. like maybe not understanding the audience. But right. um, I also believe that a lot of that is um, I don't know what your opinion is, but I don't I, I didn't expect her to win from the outside. Right. Um, you know, I kind of thought that it would be Hornberger yeah. um, it, or Mons. Um, yeah. I know Oklahoma was heavy, heavy Mons. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, which is funny because, you know, we were supposed to be uh, Mises puppets. Yeah. And. <laughs> and you look at me when you say that. Yeah. yeah. No, I was on the Hornberger team. Right. And uh, and for the record, I was the only maybe there were two Mises delegates in Oklahoma, but we had two out of 14 or something. Yeah. Two out uh, of 14. The other guy voted for Hornberger. So. No. So I think I was the only one in no. the state that voted for Hornberger. So, yeah, and uh, and we also won Joe. Joe was my second pick from the outset. And that was mostly because some really smart people in the party told me, you know, mm-hmm. that she was going to be a really good, really good choice. Um, and she was a lot of people's second pick, which in the libertarian primary process is actually the best way to be. Because yeah. as the rounds go, she gets more and more support. And, mm-hmm. and she quickly, she quickly consolidated everybody there. Yeah, she did. Um, plus, I think I think one thing that, that the delegates don't get credit for is Spike was a great addition. Yeah, I yeah. love Spike. He is so yeah. accessible to people. Yeah. He's so easygoing, very well-spoken, very smart. He's funny. Yeah. Um, man, he's really great. Um, yeah. Really, really great. I think he took. I think he took some knocks from being on the Vermin campaign. Um, yeah. I know that. I know that there have been some people that are. You know, they don't necessarily recognize him as a serious candidate because he right. was Herman's running mate, but man, Spike is awesome. I've had long, long conversations with Spike. Um, and I think Spike is, was a great pick. Um, well, I'll tell you that um, when I was working with Hornberger, there was a lot of discussion here and there about the different, um, the different VP candidates. And at the end, Hornberger even who's super, you know, on the conservative side ended up endorsing Spike. I mean, Spike yeah. is just so good at being a libertarian and communicating what a libertarian is 
uh, it was hard to deny. You know, you can you can wave off the silly stuff, uh, which, by the way, he has now that he's the candidate and he's done mm-hmm. fantastic in a more serious role. But you can wave off that. And, and he was just uh, he was the right guy for yeah. the job. A great awesome. messenger for the party. Plus a little bit of silliness is really good. I sure. loved, loved, loved when people people smashed him about being shirtless in that podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so he did that announcement video and was like, yeah. you know, people have been making comments about what I was wearing at this podcast, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So I got this hat from danberman.com or whatever yeah. it was. It's so funny. Spike, I mean, he just takes it in stride. I think Spike is a wonderful candidate. Um, yeah. I really do. I think that um, Spike was a great pick. Um and like I said, I think that the stumbles and stuff like that are, are not necessarily the result of the Jorgensen campaign. I think a lot of it has to do with just people don't understand the process. I wish more people were involved in, and understood the process. You know, yeah, uh, I agree. We have that. Well, guy. Hey, let's jump into the main event here. So uh, we obviously wish Joe and Spike the best of luck on Tuesday. But let's start talking about some of these races uh, where we have a pretty good chance of setting some records. So. Uh, First one we're going to touch on here is the Arkansas Senate race. Obviously, if you guys haven't been paying attention, Ricky Harrington Jr. is going up against Tom Cotton. Um, Just an awesome race for us. The Democrat actually pulled out shortly after the nomination process uh, and the courts went into it and decided that they couldn't put somebody else on the ballot. Um, And it ended up being a one-on-one Senate race between a Libertarian and a Republican who is extraordinarily unpopular with everybody except Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, and then unpopular among some Republicans. I was about well. to say, yeah. A really cool uh, race. And I was lucky enough to actually meet Ricky at the nominating convention um, when we nominated Ricky to be the Arkansas Senate candidate. And at that time, we thought it was like, you know, one or 2%. And that's that. Like, mm-hmm. um, and, then, and then all this happened. And it's just crazy looking back on it because. I think he was pretty new to the party. I might be wrong on that, but I think he was pretty new to the party, uh, but just well-spoken, good ideas, uh, great speaker, um, just excited about this campaign. So. Yeah, and he's he's trending anywhere from 30 to 38%, somewhere in that range is what we're seeing as far as polls go. I'm not a big poll guy. Um, I feel like a lot of pollsters get it wrong a lot, but yeah. it's good to see a libertarian trending like that. He also um, had a debate where Tom Cotton didn't show up, and then he got time on C-SPAN, which is a yeah. pretty big – that's a pretty big deal um, for a libertarian candidate to get to talk to moderators and, and the general public, and he really knocked it out of the park. I think he did a great job taking advantage of what he had. And um, I think he, I don't know if he's going to win. Um, Arkansas is a heavily, heavily right-wing conservative. Um, but man, he could really, really set some records, which is, which is the goal. You know, the exactly. goal may not always be to win. The goal exactly. would be, yep. And like you said, he's, he's bouncing between, you know, 28 and 38 in the polls. Um, and then one thing I always like to look at, and we'll talk about a little bit today, is just Google Trends. And right now what we're seeing is 72 to 27 percent. So he's at about 27 percent of the Google searches in Arkansas um, over the last week here before the election. Um, So between that, you got 27 percent of the searches. You got 28 to 38 in the polls. The all time libertarian record for the Senate is 29 percent. And so Ricky has a legitimate shot at this. Um, It's a it's a legitimate shot and it would be huge if we could pull this off. Um, so I'm looking for 29 and a half percent from Ricky. That would be 
that would be game over for me. I'd be happy. I don't think he's going to beat Tom Cotton. Uh, and there's certainly a chance that he underperforms the polls right now. But I think the fact that he's getting so much attention is allowing the Democrats to um, to hear about him enough that it's not going to be a surprise when they get to the polls. I think right. he's raised like 70,000. It sounds like a low number, but I couldn't find a higher number. Um, but I mean, he's raised enough money, spent enough money that people know who he is. Plus, it's been national news here and there. Yeah, um, because of cotton. So, and one thing that one thing about that that um, benefits all libertarians is whenever you see C-SPAN, whenever you see national news like that, you get to see other people, other Republicans, other Democrats that get to see libertarians being serious, being a serious threat, serious candidate, because a lot of the times due to certain gaffes, you know, whether you you chalk it up to Johnson or the naked guy convention or whatever you want to say, um, they get kind of, we get kind of disregarded, you know, Um, our candidates get kind of disregarded as, oh, you know, they're libertarians, they're whatever, you know, but when you see one of us being serious and getting this attention and not messing it up, I mean, knocking it out of the park like that, it's, it's a really good thing and it benefits all of us. And that's going to be some of what we talk about today, because the people that we're highlighting today are serious. They're getting the right kind of news coverage um, and they're doing it by being libertarians. They're not doing it by pretending to be Democrats or whatnot. Uh, They found the right races. They got in it for the right reasons and they're being libertarians. And Ricky is strong. Um, So that one's going to be exciting. But let's shoot for twenty nine and a half percent for Ricky um, in on election day so everybody watch arkansas senate race uh, i believe they're central time right so we'll be central. Yes, at least around eight o'clock central maybe I, I should check but eight or nine o'clock central we'll start seeing you know those results come in uh next one up on our list is the big one uh the most exciting race probably in the country for us and it's because it's a three-way race that we're actually competitive in which is extremely rare and that's donald rainwater out in indiana yeah. Um, and so he's going up against Holcomb, the Republican. And I can't remember uh, the joke that's the Democrat, um, the, the school guy. Um, but anyway, right now, um, the record for a gubernatorial libertarian is only 15%. And the Indiana record is only 6%. Rainwater is polling anywhere between 10 and 24%. And because it's a three-way race, that 24% puts them within 12 of winning. Right. So, I mean, you know, he, this could this could fluctuate pretty hard in the three-way race. Um, and he is, he's, I mean, he's probably our best shot at hitting a record, but he also is our best shot at potentially winning a statewide race, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, also, that Democrat's name is Woody Myers. Woody Myers. That's yeah, the guy. Woody Myers. Um, <laughs> Traditionally, though, um, you know, just having a Democrat on there, it seems daunting for us, you know, like we but um, traditionally, Indiana, you know, the the Democrats kind of underperform there. Um, I also think that uh, with the pandemic and stuff like that, there's a lot of people that are dealing with the shutdowns to varying degrees. And Indiana is one of those states. And by being able to focus on, you know, what the answer is, what the and and mask mandates and different things like that. I think that we have a real shot of, of setting some records, maybe even winning. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, so let's talk about how he's doing it because the, the big thing there that I think the reason he's performing so well is that he picked one major issue that kind of transcended the parties. 
it wasn't, you know, abortion or death penalty or all these things that everyone's got these staunch. He picked masks and he decided to highlight this. And, and he said the government has no business telling people what to do with masks. You know, if you want to wear them, you wear them. If, if businesses want to make you wear them, then businesses make you wear them. You make your own decisions where you shop at. Um, and the governor, who's a Republican, actually holds a pretty similar view. He just talks about it wrong and he doesn't get it across very well. Right. Um, and, he, and he's kind of um, told people that they should wear masks and that it's the responsible thing to do and this and that um, kind of come across firmly, but never put a mandate in. Mm-hmm. Um, Democrat, on the other hand, is like, you need a mandate. You need a mandate. Everyone should wear these things. Um, so Democrats that don't like the mask mandate, the idea of a mask mandate, you know, are, are migrating to rainwater. The Republicans who think that Holcomb's been too soft are migrating to rainwater. And then on top of it, rainwater's got the whole, you know, kill the income tax and kill this tax and kill this, you know, agency. And and he's 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 speaking the Republicans' language there. You know what I mean? So he's getting even more of the conservative Republicans over. Yeah. Um and and on top of that, Holcomb even in the debate was was bragging about how much they were spending on education and whatnot. So he's bragging about expenditures, trying to fight the Democrat, and it allowed Rainwater to do even better. In the second debate, as a matter of fact, um, the one article we saw from Eyewitness News said 90% of the people in the room uh, or in the poll after the debate said that Rainwater won. Um, so, I mean, he is getting gaining strength. He's doing great at the debates. If anyone watched him, he was fantastic. Um, just a good libertarian speaker. People were typing in things like rainwater for president, you know, as, as right. the live streams were going on. Well, the the thing about it is, um, just like I was kind of alluding to earlier, but when we get into these debates, you, what you'll find is a lot of people hold a lot of libertarian views. People yeah. on the left hold libertarian views when it comes to most social issues. A lot of them even have more of a they have more libertarian views whenever it comes to some economic things. They just don't fully understand that that's what they're talking about. You know, they're talking about the freedom to do whatever. Just most of the time they get sucked into that socialistic type view that the left is trending towards right now. So, um, you know, when those people start realizing that they hold more libertarian views, then we get taken a little more serious. We're not you know, a fringe third party anymore. It's like, well, you know, I agree with them on this or that, right. um, which I think is good. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this guy, he's um, Google trends right now have rainwater down 44 to Holcomb 31 uh, to Woody and 25 to Donald rainwater. So he's kind of right in the mix there. Same as the polling. Uh, and that's why these Google trends tend to be important because it shows how many people are looking you up and, you know, mm-hmm. and so, um, so, I mean, with, with his polls ranging from 10 to 24 and his Google trends for the last week at 25, that tells me that he's trending upwards, you know, over this last week. At the very least, people are trying to find out more about him. Right. Um, so, in my opinion, this 15% record is going to happen. He's for sure going to crush the 6% Indiana record. Um, I think this is our absolute number one best bet at, at hitting a record this year. Uh, and I think he's going to get into the 20s. I'm looking for him to get into the 20s and in a three-way race, that's going to make him competitive. Obviously, you're going to need 34% at a minimum to win and probably 40. Yeah. Um, but I think he's going to be mid-20s here. What are your thoughts? 
I, I think I agree with you. I think mid twenties. Um, I don't, I honestly, um, I hate to be the Debbie downer. I, I just don't think he's going to win. I, I think that, um, I don't think he's going to win. Um, I think that you're going to have staunch Republicans that would never vote for a libertarian. And then you're going to have staunch Democrats that would never vote for a libertarian. And those people are, they're going to pull enough, you know, people always talk about us stealing votes from other candidates, but the reality is that they're stealing those votes from us. That's right. Uh, Especially in a race like this, that's what's mm -hmm. happening. So, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. That was a, that's a really exciting race. Uh, he has raised, by the way, it's my understanding over $250,000, which is um, huge. So that's just a fantastic, you know, example of even in a three person race, if we can get on the debate stage and have people look and watch it, um, that somebody can raise a ton of money. Now there's different fundraising rules. He's raised 10,000 here and 50,000 there. Like there's different rules that he's, um, got, but I think the Indiana State Party actually even gave him ten thousand bucks. Like, I mean, there's a lot of fundraising going on for him. Yeah. Um, so just really excited about that race. If you're not watching that on election day, you're making a mistake. That one, I believe, um, is probably Indiana. Might be Central and Eastern. I'm not sure how it where the line is there. Um, but anyway, seven or eight p.m. Central time, you'll start seeing results in there in Indiana. Right. Uh, next up is a race in New York, which is not a normal state for us to be uh, thinking big races in outside of Larry Sharp. Uh, Thomas Queter. So this guy is running for um, state. Uh, what is it? State Senate? Yep. State Senate. State Senate. OK. Um, and uh, right now, the latest poll has him at 66 to 34. Um, this guy is awesome. I, I saw him. I don't think I got the pleasure of meeting him, but I saw him at the Libertarian National Convention, I believe. Um, he's raised over $30,000 in a state Senate race. Um, and, and just people love this guy. They love listening to him. They're giving him money. They're giving him a platform. Uh, and he, again, is in a one-on-one -on -one race, which is another key here. When you do get into a one-on-one -on -one race, you get a lot more attention. You get a lot more time to say what you believe and people listen to you um and as people listen to you like kevin said they find out that they are more and more libertarian than more libertarian than they thought at least mm -hmm. um so this is a really interesting race i know we don't have a ton of information on here because there's no polling kevin but is there anything you wanted to add uh, other than thomas queter is an awesome guy and we need to watch him on um you definitely need to watch him another thing um i, I don't want to plug anybody else's podcast on ours of course you know but uh, Larry Sharp has done two podcasts with him. If you want to hear more about him, um, fantastic guy, good speaker. Um, yeah. If you just need more information on him, that, that's what I would suggest. If you look him up on Ballotpedia, it's just the basic information that you're going to see, you know. But if you get into those podcasts with Larry Sharp, you'll you'll definitely see more of what he's about and stuff like that. Yeah, um, that's a so great great point. Larry's got him on twice and uh, obviously Larry's from New York knows the market um and I think this just to be an interesting race to watch the record for a state senate candidate is 44%. Um this is probably the best chance we have outside of maybe Greg Sadler <laughs> here mm -hmm. in Oklahoma who's got another chance we again I I tried to look up any information I could on Sadler's race there's nothing you know mm -hmm. from a from a polling standpoint, uh, but another one-on-one -on -one race where he's been shaking hands, you know, full-time basically for the last six weeks. Yeah. Um, 
I think there's probably some other Senate races out there that we just don't know about state Senate races just because they're in the woods and the sticks and, and they don't get attention. Uh, but those are the two races from a state Senate standpoint that I'm going to be watching to see how close to 44% we can get. Yeah. Greg's awesome too. Um, yeah. Sadler Sadler's really doing a, a fantastic job. He's been planning this um, campaign for over two years before he yeah. launched it. So he's doing a really great job. He's, he's gone on several podcasts as well. Um, yeah. Just doing a great job. Um, yeah. Greg for governor. I'm starting it. Are you? You're not going to run? <laughs> no. <laughs> Greg, Greg for governor right after yeah. he wins the state Senate. Piece. Right after he wins the state Senate. Yeah. <laughs> Um, All right. So that's um, that's our state Senate, our two key races that we want to watch there. Um, the last one. Or no, sorry. We have two more. I'm going to talk about my race for a little bit. I don't want to plug it like uh, like it's outrageous, but I do think that we have a chance to set a record here. So the national record for what they call other statewide races in libertarian. So not not governor, Senate, House, that kind of stuff. It's other statewide commission type races. The national record is 43%. The record for Oklahoma is 25% set in 2018. So we're growing. Um, so my goal with this race is to get over 25% in the Oklahoma Corporation Commission race. <clears throat> and then we're targeting that 43% if we can pull an upset and get up there. Um, the latest poll in this race is 56 to 14. Uh, so I'm down with 29% undecided though. So a lot of opportunity. <clears throat> what are your thoughts here, Kevin? Um, first of all, um, because a lot of our listeners are, may not be from Oklahoma and they don't understand how important this is. Corporation <laughs> Commission in most states is not, I mean, it, it's, it's important, but it's not as important as it is in Oklahoma. So in most states, they deal with regulating basically utilities, you know, and things like that. In Oklahoma, they regulate the oil and gas industry, which is responsible for, it depends on which stat you look at, but sure. it's responsible for anywhere from 34 to 48% of um, jobs in Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, so when you talk about a corporation commission, this is somebody that has a real impact on the day-to-day -day lives of most Oklahomans. And it's a very, very important, it's very, very important. Um, Corporation Commission in Oklahoma um, is mostly Republican. Um, however, they, um, for whatever reason, they've been pretty regulatory heavy. Um, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people feel like they haven't regulated enough and, and some things like that. But when you compare Oklahoma to some other states, even, yeah. even states like California, we're a lot more strict on a lot of things when it comes to yeah. oil and gas and, and that type of thing. Um, yeah. Corporation Commission also in Oklahoma, where this is different than other states, is Corporation Commission investigates um, spills. They investigate environmental spills. So whenever you have something that, uh, you know, if you spill crude oil or some type of chemical, um, DEQ will obviously inspect as well. But Corporation Commission is there. Corporation Commission also is the, they're the people that regulate, you know, where this um, where the cuttings from drilling goes, where the leftover chemicals and drilling mud go and things like that. So this is a very, very important race for the day-to-day -day lives of most Oklahomans. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's a great point. 
And this is a regulatory race. And a lot of people are like, why would a libertarian run in a regulatory race? Well, the key here is that's exactly why we should run is to is to show people what libertarians believe. So the whole campaign is built around cutting red tape, stop letting government pick winners and losers and putting Oklahoma back to work. It's a two person race. So again, we've gotten a lot of press and a lot of um, people listening to the message. Um, and I think this is the key that I want to focus on in this race is we're down 56 to 14 in the polls, 29 undecided. But what we focused on knowing Corona was here is we focused on SEO, search engine optimization, to make sure that nobody cares about this position, right, until the last day or two right before they vote or maybe the last minute or two and they're Googling before they vote. So we wanted to make sure that those last couple seconds and I come from retail a little bit, right? The last three feet of the sale, we closed it. And so what we have right now is if you Google Todd Hyatt versus Todd Hagopian, you'll find a whole bunch of Todd Hagopian articles and very little Todd Hyatt articles. And the ones you do find, I've helped um, push the bad articles to the top. And so we've basically done a really good job at getting Google to say what we wanted it to say by the time election day comes. And where that comes even more important is right now, uh, from a Google trend standpoint in Oklahoma, I am getting 50% of the searches out of these two. So unlike the other states where the candidates losing, 50% of the people that care enough to look are searching for me. So the question is gonna be how many people care enough to look and that's gonna decide election day. Um, but I am really shooting for over 25% here. I really want over 25% to set the Oklahoma record and move us forward, you know, and then, and then anything above that is going to be gravy. Yeah. I, th- I think you'll knock it out of the park, honestly. Um, I think that given, um, given the current marketplace and everything, when it comes to the oil and gas industry in, there in Oklahoma, I think, um, when you the way that you speak about opening it back up and getting back to work it really resonates with some people um, yeah. so i wish you the best of luck i think that uh i think that you got it in the bag though yeah no, i appreciate that the last race is probably the most exciting small race in the country um and so for all those of you who think that we need to focus local and this and that and i'm one of them Um, I I love these local races, and I do think that that's where we need to focus our time, is Bethany Baldus in Wyoming. Um, And so, again, because it's a state house race, we have almost no information, you know, from a polling perspective. Actually, Google Trends, there wasn't even any information because there wasn't enough Googling done in Wyoming. So I couldn't even get a good piece of information to talk about there. But this is what we do know. The record for a state house candidate for Libertarian Nationwide is 49%, set by Bethany Baldez, who lost last time around. Um, So she lost to the Republican last time with 49% of the vote, almost won. He is now retired, and she's running again. And people wanted her so badly to run as a Republican. And she refused and said, no, I'm going to run as a Libertarian. Um, And she's in another, uh, I believe, two-person race. Um, Bethany, it's my understanding, is the daughter of a ballot access champion in Wyoming who, who also ran as a libertarian over and over again to keep the ballot access going. <clears throat> so just a great, you know, generational story about somebody who has the ability to go and get elected as a Republican, but decided not to. What are your thoughts here? I think that 
um, from from the articles that I've read and some of the stuff that they've talked about, she's very, very popular and very, very loved and respected amongst a lot of um, people there in Wyoming. Um, I wish that we could get more polling and more data, but when you're talking about a state like Wyoming, you know, they're if they are they the first or the second least populated state? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I, was, right I think there. that they're <laughs> second. I think Montana's number one, but I, that could be wrong. Um, it's hard to get that polling information. You know, it's hard to get stuff like that. So I think that that's a very, very winnable race yeah. for us. Um, from what I, from what I know of her, um, she's got some really solid libertarian points. Um, obviously she's more of a, a you know, a right leaning yeah. libertarian. Um, but that resonates with a lot of people. And when you're talking about a very, very conservative state like Wyoming, I think that she's got a chance on honestly. Um, I really think that she does because when you, when you're looking at somebody like her, she's running against the Republicans. So what few Democrats there are in Wyoming are probably going to vote for her. Right. Um, I I think she's really got a chance. I think she's got a solid chance. I think she's running a good campaign. Um, I I know that she is getting some assistance from the LP nationals frontier campaign. Yeah. Um, and so that that's really helping because she has access to, you know, call banks and things like that that are really helping her in a state where drumming up support may be a little hard because yeah. because it's so loosely populated, you know. Yeah. So um, kudos to the Frontier Project for helping her out on that. I know that they've been focusing a lot and uh, putting a lot of resources into it. I, I think it's going to be a good deal. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about all these races. I think that um, this year we've got some big things some really, really big things coming. Yeah, I think um, Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota were some of the best um, Gary Johnson weld states. Uh, I think she's got a good solid base of libertarianism in that state to begin with. I know a lot of the Republicans in that state um, through Twitter that are very strong libertarians, but run as the Republican. Um, So I know that there's a lot of libertarian Republicans in that state that will at least listen, you know, when somebody runs. Um, she got a lot of great press last time by barely losing uh, to an incumbent, and and now he's gone. Um, this one, I'm going to go ahead and predict that that she wins our first state house race in the country. Um, so I think I think this one's in the bag. She's going to get 56 plus percent in this thing, um, and I think she's going to win. And it's just going to be a great example of what can happen when we put some resources behind a candidate that has the right chance. And to your point. LNC put resources behind her, I think Ricky and Donald um, at, at the very least um, email that kind of resources behind yeah. it, but then Frontier Project behind Bethany. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see, you know, how much that pays off in each of those races. And I think to your point, what we're going to find is uh, it paid off more in the, in the state house race. And again, we're going to need to focus local if we want to start winning state house because you're not going to win the president before you win u.s house you're not going to win u.s house before you win state house you know this is the progression of things no um, but well, he's going to start us off i think yeah well like we were discussing in the beginning what we need to be focusing on is not the potus it's not you know national senate it's not federal how it's not any of these it's these very local races because what we have to do is get people used to the idea yeah. that somebody can be something other than a Democrat and a Republican. Right. Because we it's, have to be able to articulate, have to be able to articulate libertarian ideas that are more than anti-war. 
You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. a great national view. Um, but we need to be able to tell people how libertarianism can help their daily life in their mm-hmm. own state. So I completely agree with you. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think that we have to learn to do that. We as libertarians have got to, um, I harp on this a lot, but I think that um, we really need to focus on, we do really good about getting our message to those liberty-leaning Republicans, yeah. you know? But we really, I, I'm telling you, I, I fully believe that we, we are missing the boat with a lot of Democrats, especially young Democrats who, because when you're young, they mainly vote on social issues and they see Republicans as being very conservative, Democrats as being liberal. And then once you get in, then you see like, oh, well, part of this is this socialism. So then they just accept it as well. You know, all of these things, racism and all this stuff is a byproduct of capitalism. If we could be the other one to say, hey, you know, we're socially liberal as well. However, we believe that we believe in capitalism. So this is an alternative idea. And I think that as we see these candidates winning on a local level and we've got a winning formula, we're going to be able to um, further evolve and articulate our points to um, be able to reach across both aisles. Yeah. And, and, and that's, people in. that's great. And let's talk about, let's close it up with the winning formula. So the things that these races have in common is um, most of them are two person races. Okay, Oklahoma, for example, had 44 races that got decided because nobody ran against them. Okay, unopposed 44 races in Oklahoma. Um, so we need to do a better job at getting every single one of those races to have a libertarian and turn it into a two-person race. There are a lot of states where that doesn't happen. You know, there's a lot of states where just nobody, the, the Democrats and the Republicans make sure that they have people in every race, but there are a ton of states where it does. And and local libertarian parties need to put good people in those races because that's how we're getting all this attention. That's how we're getting fundraising and that's how we're going to get wins. And then when you look at rainwater, the key there in a three-person race is to try and find a uh, issue that transcends parties, right? That at least gets your attention to where people are listening to you. And then you can espouse all the other traditional libertarian beliefs and people start to realize that, hey, I do agree with that guy on that issue and this one down here and this one over here. Yeah, I I think that another thing that um, a lot of our candidates are doing this go round is they're focusing more like you are focusing more on go, Google Trends, focusing more on because one thing that I think of the old parties are missing is they're not realizing that the elections are not decided in the debates anymore. They're decided on social media. They're decided through Google searches and all of that. So when we fo- when we shift our focus over there, you'll see that those candidates win more. You'll see that those candidates get more traction, especially if they're interactive like you are, like a couple of these other candidates are. That If they're interactive with people, it makes it so – they're so much more accessible because – a lot of the younger generations, they don't watch debates. They don't watch anything. They, they're literally just on social media. And if you want to really, really look at the power of that, look at what, um, I'm going to say a boogeyman, but look at what AOC did. AOC won her campaign against an incumbent and she was massively underfunded and she did most of it through social media. Even now, she talks to most of her people through social media. Very few of her followers and voters know anything about any bills that she's done, but they know what her latest tweet is. And so we need to copy that. And if you see, when you see these candidates that are doing things like that, that's the winning formula. 
yeah. is to, to focus more on the social media and get away from our traditional debate style and stuff like that, you know? Yep, absolutely. So you can see Kevin's little Marxism streak just showed <laughs> he brought in AOC <laughs> and I'm talking yeah. about the conservative Republicans, but you're going to see a lot of that on the show, folks. But OK, so just to recap, this is a great episode. I, I'm happy that we did this. We're going to put it out before Election Day so that you guys can follow these races. But the key races are Arkansas Senate, Ricky Harrison, uh, Harrington, sorry. And I think it's 29 percent. Twenty nine percent is the record he's trying to get to. Uh, Donald Rainwater in Indiana, the governor, trying to get to 15 plus percent. He's going to crush it. Um, Thomas Queter in New York State Senate, 44 percent. We have no idea. There's no polling. <laughs> so yeah. we'll just see how that one plays out. Um, Todd Hagopian, myself in Oklahoma, statewide, 43%. Right now, the polls say that I'm not going to get there, but the Google Trends say that that we've got some things moving in our direction. So we'll just see. But 25% is the Oklahoma record. We'd like to hit that. Um, and then finally, Bethany Baldez in Wyoming got 49% of the vote last time. And we're looking for her to win our first state house seat uh, this year. And that's all happening on Tuesday, all across the country. Libertarians are setting records. And if we keep moving the ball forward, eventually we're going to be talking about how many we win, not whether we can win one. Exactly. Yeah. I guess we'll close with that. Great. Well, thanks, Kevin. This is a good first episode. And guys, we'll see you next time. I agree, Todd. I think this is great.